I think it was also more, we were known as like the twins who always make these drinks and then they throw like loads of parties. And I think we just like really enjoyed experimenting with different flavors. Welcome to the Lush Life Podcast. I'm your drinking companion, Susan Schwartz, and I bring you the how-to guide for living life one cocktail at a time. Thanks to my mother's love of martinis, the first words I spoke were shaken, not stirred, and I've been obsessed by cocktails ever since. Together, we'll learn from bartenders, brand ambassadors, distillers, and others why certain drinks are popular in certain cultures, how to make the perfect old-fashioned, when to shake and when to stir, and so much more. Hear that sound? It's time to cozy up to the bar and let the fun begin. I truly believe that today's guests were on a mission to take on the business world as soon as they were born. And in this case, that would be the same day. Joyce and Reza DeHaas are the twin sisters behind Double Dutch Drinks, the extremely successful mixers that in less than a year were the most sought after in London. These two took the time to sit down with me to tell me their tale of where they began and how they went on to win the prestigious Foodpreneur Award by Sir Richard Branson. Joyce starts us off with a little family history. up in the south of the Netherlands, Eindhoven, not the most exciting place, um, but our parents, we moved with our parents pretty early on to Belgium, uh, to Antwerp, and in both in the Netherlands and in Belgium, you have this whole history of Genevers and gins, and the house where we grew up in, when our parents bought the house, there was this wholesale spirit business in it, um, and our parents, they always like to get drink so they thought when they bought the house let's definitely keep the whole sales business there they never commercially managed it but they more had it for themselves and for friends and because of that we kind of grew up knowing all the local distilleries doing loads of tastings and building up like a good passion for drinks well what um did your parents do before i mean what were they doing um our mom was being a great mom to us and our dad he used to always had his own businesses but in belgium he is in real estate so he really? buys buildings and then sells them. So they had the business. Yeah. They didn't manage it, though, you said. But they just were able to enjoy it? So it was more as like a hobby. Um, so they they bought chins and Genevers for their friends and family, but not really as like a business, more as a hobby, as sites. But you guys were really young and probably too young to be able to drink that <laughs> yet. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. what what were you thinking of doing when you were young? I think we probably always knew that we would start or we always loved the idea of starting something with the two of us. And we experimented with so many things like we used to have like our own clothing line. And then we started like doing an investment club with friends. And I don't know, we just experimented with so many things. There wasn't like one plan that we thought this is what we got to do and this is going to be it. So you always had that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, definitely. And you always thought you would work together? Yeah, I think definitely from the start. um, We always got along really well. Uh, We have the same 
ideas on like live and everything. We have lots of discussions, but more privately, not really about business. So we kind of always talked about it. And did you always go to the same schools? And yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> same interests. <laughs> same interests. Well, that's really good, yeah. I guess. No competition, really. Always just working together. Yeah, definitely. So when you went off to university, yeah. you both decided you wanted to go to the same university? Um, yeah, so we both went to the University of Antwerp. I think that was just like logical thing to do. All our friends went there. It was just, yeah, we grew up there. But then, and then we did a very similar study. So I did... Uh, business administration and science and I studied finance but I think probably 90% of our courses overlapped. <laughs> did you think when you were studying okay I'll do one thing and I'll do the other and then we'll combine it later? Not really. No, no. <laughs> you weren't that calculating. No. <laughs> <laughs> you just were kind of interested in business yeah and as yeah. I said the entrepreneurial spirit yeah uh-huh. and so then you graduated and you had these degrees. Yeah. Did you jump right into the drinks or did you try something different? Well, so we, the logical thing, so we graduated with a master in finance. So then the logical thing was to start working in banking. So I started working for BNP Paribas, like big corporate bank. And Reise started working for like a smaller wealth management firm. So again, pretty similar fields. Always in Antwerp? Uh, I was in Brussels and Reise was in Antwerp. So um, you, you yeah. were separated for yeah. the first time. <laughs> How was that? Um, I think it was interesting, but we probably still saw each other quite a lot lot, at least every day and in the weekends we would still go out every time together and we would still have the same friends so um it was interesting I think it was nice yeah um and then so we both did like a similar thing and of course we always like talked to each other about how it was with her job and with my job and we just realized that we both didn't really enjoy it as much as we thought it would and it was like so corporate and then I think back then we were 21 so we just said like it's going to make life easier if we both quit our jobs together. <laughs> also, our parents couldn't be so angry then if we quit our jobs together. <laughs> so but, so uh, how long were you at the banks? Half a year. <laughs> oh, very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so you really didn't even give it that. That's it. No. You know, immediately yeah. done. <laughs> All right. So then you both quit your jobs and you looked at each other and said, okay, what well, now? Yeah, but, basically. So then we said, like, let's just move to London. Um, we found, like, a, a course at UCL. Uh, in London that we thought was really interesting, which was tech entrepreneurship. Um, both applied, both got accepted, so went to London together. Um, and then during our years at university here in London, we started doing research into the whole spirits industry and the fact that there's this whole premiumization and co-op movement into spirits, but choice of tonic waters, especially back then, was pretty limited. So did you go into this program thinking spirits right away? we went into the program more like let's start a business and I think for us spirits and the whole beverage industry was definitely like our biggest passion but we weren't sure that there was a proper business to be made in that and whether there was an opportunity so I think we more went there into like let's see and research whether there's a business opportunity if it is in our passion then great but I think we were also yeah, open to maybe going to like spirits or like other soft drinks or yeah, definitely like the beverage industry. So let's go back to when you were younger and there was the spirits shop. Um, were you always attracted to drinking, I guess, drinking culture? Yeah, definitely. I think we always, I always was super interested in different kind of spirits. 
but I've never been really a person to drink spirits on it on its own. So I've always drank it with mixers and we made uh, our own mixers for quite a while. So just heating up syrups in our kitchen and then adding carbonized water. So we were just always making our own mixers and making different combinations with whiskeys, cognacs, vodkas, like all kind of spirits. Um, so was it because you didn't find what you liked? Yeah, or yeah, definitely. Or you were just, oh, I think I'll just do this for fun or both? Both. I think the mixer market for a long time was quite undeveloped compared to the spirits markets. And I think it's such fun to uh, like experiment with different types of flavors and looking... I think it was also more, we were known as like the twins who always make these these drinks and then they throw like loads of parties. And I think we just like really enjoyed experimenting with different flavors and looking what kind of combinations we could make with different types of spirits. And hosting people and yeah. offering like different drinks and yeah. Well, what, do you remember any of the combinations you made early on during those times that you still, <laughs> that you still make? We did loads. Um what was really popular was uh, strawberry and mint. Uh, we didn't eventually, with Double Dice, didn't really make it because I think strawberry is very, very, um, can be quite overpowering. Um, we did parent time, which was quite interesting, uh, yeah. but also really a lot of combinations that didn't work at all. <laughs> so so fast forward now, you are in your, your, your university mm-hmm. at UCL. And how did the spirit making thing evolve? I mean, was there a course or what? Um, it was, the course was very much entrepreneurship led and they gave us, UCL gave us the opportunity to develop that entrepreneurship into the industry or the field that we, that each student was interested in. So we specifically did research into the whole spirits industry, but we also had students in our class that would write it about some kind of tech or an app or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just very much focused every assignment, the dissertation, everything on all types of different spirits and the whole evolution of it. So we spoke with 500 bartenders on their preferences, what kind of tonic waters or mixers they would be looking at. And then in the second stage, we uh, spoke to more than 1,500 consumers to see like what they are looking for and then kind of made a business plan out of that. Tons of market research. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And lots of tasting. (laughs) (laughs) Again, you must have been the most popular in your your class. (laughs) So then, so you have this idea, you do the case study, I guess. And did it go well? I mean, how how did your, I mean, I'm sure the professors must have loved it. Yeah. Um, So we graduated and got like a prize for best, best research of the year. So then uh, that was super exciting and our university said, we'll fund your first production batch if you stay in the UK and start here. Uh, so then we said, we really loved London. I still love London. So we stayed here and just gave it a try. So about six months after we graduated, we produced our first batch. So we launched with our cucumber and watermelon. All right, and wait, wait, wait. Them All right, we have to go way oh, back, sorry. way back. No. <laughs> so you have, okay, you got the money, yeah. which is fantastic. Yeah. You have this prize. You have this idea. When you were in school, did, had all the things line up so that you were ready to produce right then? Or did you have to then start doing more research about what kind of flavors and finding a place to make it? Yeah, yeah I know think the technicalities of that. We had the theory and the idea on what kind of flavors we wanted to work with and where we were going to launch and more like the the business plan but 
then in reality, it was a lot more difficult to find the right label supplier, designer, bottling plant, where we would get our water from. And um, that was after after we graduated. But it, it only took you about six months, you said, right? Yeah, yeah. That is, that's really quick. You are very determined to launch Fabricating <laughs> because London is super expensive. <laughs> so you, how many products did you have six months later? Two. So which we, yeah. Yeah. No, which ones were they? Uh, we launched with the cucumber and watermelon and the pomegranate and basil. So both don't have quinine. So we really wanted to launch with products that don't exist in the market yet that are really like different and innovative from different or from other mixes in the market. Um, yeah. So you had these two products. Yeah. Where do you go then? So, so then I think what we kind of didn't realize after a full year of research is how the whole market works. And I think we already figured that out while producing and while we had like a first batch. So for us, the biggest challenge uh, that's for every every, um, every beverage product is that if you want, so we always want, knew that we wanted to launch in the on trade. So in bars, restaurants, hotels, not in retail. And a bar and a hotel, they don't buy from suppliers directly. They only go via their wholesaler and distributor. But then a distributor, they don't list products if there's like no demand for it. This is a bit of a chicken yeah. and the egg problem. Um, so we just made a list of 50 hotels, bars, restaurants that we thought, oh, there would be amazing first accounts. We started like stalking our, all the bartenders on LinkedIn, like just knocking on doors, seeing like whether they would be able to taste it. Um, and then we, our first five customers were pretty, really good accounts. So we signed up with Nobu, Harvey Nichols, uh, Novikov and the Dorchester first. And I think that really helped the ball rolling and then we got like listed with a distributor and i think once we were with one distributor it helped about how long did that take from bottling to distribution four months four so months? you really hit on something that people really wanted i mean that's so far we're talking 10 months yeah. from graduation to actually selling something thank goodness because london yeah. is yeah. expensive as you said <laughs> so you've sold things now was were these your dream places to have it i mean yeah, I think definitely yeah. we're definitely on our like top twenty accounts and yeah. Um, now, did you work with any bartenders or brand ambassadors to create drinks that you that could be used maybe in bars or at the Dorchester Harvey Nichols? I think we've always and we still do work with lots of bartenders in the industry. If we launch a new product, and that's also what we did back then, is. We tested it with so many bartenders that we knew really know what they're doing. We asked them like for feedback and then we actually iterated our recipes based on their feedback. So we, with the cucumber watermelon, we changed the watermelon level slightly. And with the pomegranate and basil, we slightly changed the sugar level. So, and that's still how we're doing it today. We're, with every new product, we produce a smaller batch and then we test market it with the bartenders and with our customers. Um, so yeah, definitely. Now, the flavor combinations that you started with, you had two. How did you know where to grow to do different combinations? The next products after our first initial um, flavors, we more developed out of demand. So we had the cucumber, watermelon, and pomegranate and basil, and people were really loving it. But then everyone said, it's great that you have two amazing flavors, but we still need to buy an Indian tonic and a light tonic from somebody else. So we got loads of demand to launch with Indian tonic and light tonic. Uh, so that's what we did five months after we launched our initial two products. We 
um, introduced it in the Antonic and Light Tonic as well. So what do you think made your Indian tonic and light tonic different from the other ones that they were buying? So our Indian tonic and light tonic, we use the same recipes for both. The skinny tonic just has a little bit less sugar, um, but they, we both use a hint of juniper berry and grapefruit. So our tonic water, we use the same amount of quinine, so the bitterness that you have in a tonic water. But then by adding grapefruit, it kind of levels it out a little bit more. The juniper berry gives a little bit of extra mouthfeel uh, in your tonic water. And it just gives a little bit of a softer gin and tonic. So you can really taste the gin water than the tonic. So we are all about the spirit and spirit being king. So I don't think a tonic water needs to be super bitter because it can kind of overpower your gin and tonic a lot. Did you think it would be difficult to change people's minds about what tonics they were buying? Um, I think from the start, everyone was super open about it. We, um, and also today, I think we have had such a big quote and everyone is really loving different flavors, especially in the past one, two years. It's it's becoming so popular. Um, but I think it's good to have the a really great tasting standard drinks like the Indian tonic, light tonic, but we also have a soda water, ginger beer, ginger ale. And then as a brand, we focus more on our flavors like cranberry tonic of pomegranate and basil. Will there be a time when you want it to go retail? Yeah, definitely. And so for us, the UK is our home market, but then we export to 23 other countries as well. And of those export countries, there are countries like Australia, South Africa, that are very much retail focused. So it just depends on which market. For us, the UK has such a vibrant, vibrant restaurant and bar scene that it just makes sense to keep focused on the on trade here. But for other countries, it just makes sense to go to retail immediately. Here in so here in the UK, we are in Okada, Amazon, Front Mason, or Nickel, Selfridges, like the more premium um, off trade sites. I think we do want to go to one or two retail destinations more uh, high street next year, but then stay focused. Like our love will probably always go to the entree in the UK. Risa, you've won tons of awards for being such a, a, a young brand. Yeah, it's amazing uh, the amount of recognition that we've got. Um, Richard Branson endorsed us as most innovative food and beverage company when we just started. And the whole version team has really helped us a lot there. Uh, and really excited, in 2016, we won World's Best Premium Adult Soft Drink, um, which was really great. And then last month, we won Bartender's Choice globally out of every tonic water brand um, in the world, which was such an achievement and we're super happy with. So that was with our pomegranate and basil, which I think is still my baby because it's our first product. So it's very exciting. With the Virgin, did you guys apply to it? Yeah. So how did you find out about it? Um, Richard Branson, he, every year, this competition is open for every food and beverage product that produces in the UK. And then you apply. Um, we got like, you get through a first round with judges, then you get to a second round and then a third round. And then um, after the third round, we won the award and then we met Richard Branson. Then- and so what did they do to help you? They flew us over to the US to pitch for a supermarket chain there. Uh, so it was really helpful. We got like a day training how to pitch for supermarkets. And we got like a day training on how to export to the US. We got like FDA regulations um, and those kind of things. And now we are still in, in a lot of contact with Virgin 
uh, with their accelerated program and, and seeing how we can still help each other. So one of your 20-some countries, is the U.S. one of them? We're actually launching in three months time there. And where yeah. can someone find it? <laughs> We're starting in uh, Texas. Oh, no way. Yeah. It, with bar, are you allowed to tell us? Um, like we're we, starting retail, actually. Retail. Yeah. And so where can someone, if someone from Texas is listening, where can they find it? Uh, Central Market. Central Market. You hear that, guys? Central Market, <laughs> Texas. All right. Fantastic. It was fantastic having the ladies here today. And we sampled all of their flavors. I think I'm addicted to cucumber and watermelon. But saying that, they are all delicious and work so well with so many different kinds of spirits. And now our cocktail of the week is a prime example of that. As we are all based in London, I had to choose the nodding heels as the cocktail of the week. In a glass with ice, you begin with 30 mLs of Portobello gin, whose home is in Notting Hill. Then add in 15 mLs of Cointreau. Squeeze in the juice of two lime wedges and stir. Then top it all up with double Dutch cranberry tonic. Proust, as they say in the Netherlands. You'll find this recipe and all the cocktails of the week on alushlifemanual.com, where you'll also find all the ingredients in our shop. Are you coming to London next week? Then you have to experience London Cocktail Week. Buy a digital pass and you get six-pound festival cocktails in 300 of London's best bars, first look access to pop-ups and parties, and free unlimited entry to the Cocktail Village in Shoreditch. I'll be there. Who will be there also is our next guest. She is the brand ambassador of Pisco Wakar and will prove to you that Pisco really was born in Chile. Until next time, bottoms up. Thanks for listening to the Lush Life Podcast, the sister of a Lush Life Manual. For more information and links to everything you heard, plus a bit more, please visit alushlifemanual.com. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation. And always drink responsibly. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. Lush Life is produced by Evo Terra, and I'm your hostess, Susan Schwartz. I'll see you at the bar. <laughs>